So here is a weird idea from the Apostles' Creed. Jesus was crucified, died, and was buried. Last week we talked about how Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. Today we're going to talk about the weird idea that Jesus was crucified, died, and was buried. Now, there's a New Testament scholar I really like. His name is Gary Burge. He's actually come to speak here at Fellowship of Faith in the past. But this is what he says. He says that we in the world today, Christians included, have really by and far become numb to the cross. That the idea of Jesus being crucified isn't weird at all. In fact, it sounds as normal as can be. And because it does sound so normal, it's lost its shock. We dress ourselves in it. We plaster it on walls. We use it as our symbol. It is so prevalent, so associated with Jesus, so attached to Christianity today. Whether a Christian or not, everyone knows Jesus' cross. It goes hand in hand. It's so normal, it's so regular, it's so cliche, we don't really think of it as being that weird at all. But in Jesus' day, in the first century AD, to suggest that the Son of God, to suggest that God's Messiah was crucified and that he died would be the weirdest, most outlandish, craziest, unbelievable thing that you could ever say. Look at what Paul writes in the New Testament. He says the message of the cross is foolishness. It's foolishness to Greeks. It's a stumbling block to Jews. He'll go on to describe how it is in fact, an offense to all. The Roman poet Cicero, living in the first century BC, about the cross, he says this, let the very word cross be far removed, not only from the bodies of Roman citizens, but even from their thoughts, their eyes, their ears, that the cross is so horrible, so degrading, so shocking. Don't even think about it. Don't even see. It should be the thing most farthest removed from our society. You know, the Jewish perception of the Son of God of the Messiah, is that he would be one who came in power and glory. I want to read to you today just a little excerpt from the prophet Daniel, where he talks about this. Look at what Daniel says. He says, in this vision I had, in this vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. 
He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. And with that in mind, Jesus crucified, died, and buried. There's this really cool letter written by a follower of Jesus in the second century. We're talking like 140 AD. He's dialoguing with a Jew named Trypho, trying to explain the Christian faith to him and answer his objections. The whole document works like a conversation, a back and a forth. Justin sharing some kind of witness or testimony or defense or reasonable explanation of the faith and Trifo kind of coming back going, what are you talking about, man? And after Justin describes the cross, look at what Trifo says. Justin writes, when I ceased, Trifo said, sir, these and such like passages of scripture compel us to await one who is great and glorious. I so hope all people back then talked like that. Passages like these, like what? Like Daniel 7. They compel us to await one who is great and glorious. Would you agree after I read Daniel 7? Doesn't that seem to be the gist, the hope? One who is great and glorious and takes over the everlasting kingdom from the ancient of days as son of man. But this, your so-called Christ, he's without honor and glory. So that he has even fallen into the uttermost curse that is in the law of God. He was crucified. Because the weirdest thing you could say in the first century AD is that God's Messiah, that the son of man was crucified, died, and was buried. The horror of it. The pain of it. Do you realize that the very word excruciating finds its root in it? How would you describe excruciating to someone? Your kid comes up to you. Or if you don't have kids, someone else. What does excruciating mean? How'd you pin that? Yeah, right? It hurts! It is like the worst pain imaginable. There's pain, then there's excruciating. Do you know the root of this word? It comes from the Latin, excrucio, which literally translates from the cross. The very word that we use to describe the worst pain imaginable is compared to the pain that you would feel and experience on a cross. You want pain? It doesn't get worse than that. That's what the word suggests. And God's Messiah, the Son of Man, the one who comes in glory and honor, that? And it's not just pain. The cross degrades. It was the cruel triumph of an oppressor 
over a victim. It was meant to humiliate. It could be compared to a bully who finds some weak kid and torments him and beats him and depances him in front of everyone and then pushes him to the ground and stands on him as he's humiliating him in front of everyone. If you can picture that, you can picture a little bit of what the Roman cross was meant to be. And these early believers, above all things, said, our Jesus crucified, died, buried. God's son, the Messiah, crucified, died, and buried. It does not get weirder than that. You know, let me read to you today the story of Jesus' crucifixion. Some of you know it. Some of you don't. You can find it in the New Testament in any of the four Gospels. I'm going to read an excerpt from the Gospel of Mark. And as I do, let what we've talked about today so far ruminate and try to picture what Jesus did and suffered that day. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, in case you didn't know which Simon we were talking about. He was passing by on his way from the country. And the soldiers forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The king of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he cannot save himself. Let this, this Christ, this King of Israel, come down from the cross so that we may see and believe. And the two robbers who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of those standing nearby heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. And one man ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone, he said. Let's see if Elijah comes and takes him down. And with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. 
And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard his cry and saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. This is what Jesus did. But it's not just the story of a man dying. It is the story of God saving the world. Martin Luther, in his small catechism, when he's trying to explain the oomph of this line in the creed, look at what he says. Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity and also true man. He's redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil with his holy, precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death. The Apostle Paul in the letter to the Romans, he'll put it this way. At just the right time, you see, when we were powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God? No, God demonstrated his love in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus crucified, died, and buried is not just the story of a man dying. It is the story of God saving the world. And the Bible calls this act, this trifecta, salvation. I love how the Nicene Creed will put it. When it says this, who for us, men, and for our salvation... He came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and made man and was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The crucifixion, death, and resurrection of Jesus is the foundation, the lightning rod, the heartbeat of God's salvation plan. Jesus died. Jesus was crucified and he died for you and for me. Dead. Stone cold dead. Not somewhat dead. Not partially dead. Not almost dead not flatlined for 20 minutes and then resuscitated, dead, dead. And that's why the creed will stress the fact that he was buried. How does Jesus die? No, I'm not talking the mechanism here. I'm talking metaphysically. How does the Messiah, the Son of God, die? Let me refrain. If Jesus, as the creeds will say and the Bible will attest and Jesus himself claimed, is 
Very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, God of God, light of light. How does God die? I'm sorry, I don't think it gets weirder than that. I don't know. But he did. And those early Christians wanted it to be remembered, wanted us to know it. Because of all the things that we can say about God in this world, of all the things that we can describe about our relationship with him, of all the things that we can root into in Jesus' teaching, crucified, died, and buried, stands at the core. God dead and buried is a weird thing to say. But that's because God is weird. At least from a human point of view. And so don't be surprised if God does weird and unexpected things. Do not be surprised if God does the fantastic. Those early Christians weren't. God incarnate, made man, suffered, died, crucified, buried, resurrected, and ascended. <laughs> no, they knew all about a weird God who does the weird and unexpected. There are going to be times when things in life feel dead and buried too. Hopes, dreams, the future, people. I wonder what Jesus would have to say about things dead and buried It leads me to look and remember that with God, dead and buried does not mean the same thing that we often think it should. That God is capable of the unexpected. In every situation, even the situations that are dead and buried, Because next week we'll dig more into how God answers this line of the creed. And let me tell you this, just as Jesus died, he bids you to come and die with him. Here's how Jesus himself will put it. After explaining to his disciples that it's necessary for the Son of Man to go to Jerusalem, to be handed over to the chief priests and the elders, to suffer, to be crucified, to die and be buried three days and afterwards to raise from the dead. He says this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me 
will save it. Because what it means to be a disciple of Jesus is that what's true of him becomes true of me too. And his pattern is the pattern that I will adopt too. The Apostle Paul will write, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself up for me. There's another New Testament writer that I like. His name is Michael Gorman, and he describes it this way, that all of us are to lead a life that is cruciform. That the very shape and form of your life should be that of a cross. How many times we come seeking God, looking for glory, honor, and power. How many times we come seeking God, looking for vindication. How many times we come seeking God, looking for him to exalt us in our humble state. And yet, and yet, the life of a follower of Jesus is more shaped like a cross than like triumph. Do not be surprised if in your life of following Jesus, you too are crucified, killed, and buried. For a select few, for those of you missing the metaphor, it happens very literally. But for any follower of Jesus, crucified, died, and buried becomes a mantra. It becomes a call. It becomes... a way of being that Jesus invites us to share in as he experienced himself. Such strange ideas, such weird ideas that people would come, that people would gather, that people would turn to one who suffered and died so they can suffer and die. To all kinds of things. Welcome to the weird, strange, and countercultural claims of a religion called Christianity. Welcome to the way of Jesus, the way of salvation, the one who died for you. So may Jesus, who died and rose again, may he bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Let's pray. You, Lord, came down from heaven. You, Lord Jesus, in all of your glory and might. You, God himself, came down from heaven. You humbled yourself. You humbled yourself in every way to the very extreme of handing yourself over to suffer and be crucified, to die for us gathered here, 
to die for this world so desperately in need. What can we say in response to that? Lord, if you be for us, who can be against us? You, who, Father, did not spare your own son, but gave him up for us all, how will you not also, along with him, come to us and graciously give us all things? Who can bring any charge against us, O Lord, before your throne? When you suffered and died, for our sins. And who can separate us from your love? Trouble? Hardship? Persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Danger or sword? Lord Jesus, all day long we are like sheep to be slaughtered. But in your crucifixion and death, We have life and salvation. More than that, we are more than conquerors. For in you, neither death nor life, angels nor demons, the present nor the future, nor any powers, height nor depth, nor anything in all creation can separate us from your love that we've seen in the crucifixion, death, and burial of Jesus Christ the Messiah, Son of God, our Lord. So let's rise. Let's thank him. Let's praise him. Let's worship him. Let's shout out to the one who gave it all for you and for me.